Hello and welcome to the Go Play That podcast. Joining me today, Bob Morate. Hello there. And Tom Alford. Hello. And I'm Rob Cook. With Maybe. a question mark. <laughs> Last time I checked. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm going to throw straight over to Tom, who uh, missed out last week, but is uh, back with a vengeance. He's been raiding some tombs. Go for it. Yeah, I was sick as a puppy last week, but mm. uh, I'm back. The good thing is that it did allow me two days off work, which was something like 36 consecutive hours of playing Tomb Raider. <laughs> wow. So the doctor yeah, ordered. Yeah, it wasn't that long, but I did finish the entire of Rise of the Tomb Raider okay. in two days. Okay. Decent. Which is pretty cool because it actually, like, I think they've really learned the lessons from, did, it, did both of you play the original reboot? Of Tomb Raider? I have, I have, yes. Yeah, Don't I played the I played Tomb Raider, and then I've gotten a fair chunk into Rise of the Tomb Raider, but I haven't stuck with it. I haven't okay. touched Rise. So you know, you know, my well, my key complaint about the first game is I bought it secondhand mm-hmm. and finished it on the same day I bought it because the campaign was like nine hours. Okay, and they tried to they tried to pad it out with some uh, with some DLC or well, some multiplayer. Shoot 'em up, which worked about as well as Uncharted's multiplayer, which is to say, in my opinion, not very well. Hmm. But definitely, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Holy shit! There's a lot of game there. Okay. There, there is a lot of game. I mean, I played the campaign through, hmm. all the way, and I played. There's one like DLC because the the PS4 version now because it was Xbox One exclusive, I believe. Yeah, it was Xbox One exclusive. Then it came later to. PC, I want to say I can't. I can't correctly remember, but um, me neither. It was definitely but it was something like that. Yeah, it was definitely off the PS4 until just recently. It was like a twelve-month exclusive, something like that. Yeah, it was like two weeks ago. But they did a really nice thing of releasing the PS4 version as the twentieth anniversary edition, mm. which came with all the DLC and a bunch of other silly stuff. Like once you've unlocked the, uh, once you've beaten the game. You can keep playing around the areas with like the original skins from the first games. Okay. So you have graphics that are almost putting, I mean, Uncharted Four to shame. Oh wow, <laughs> those have, are big words. Oh, it was—it's a really stunning game. I mean, uh, but it's somehow even better when you've got original Lara Croft from Lara Croft One, yeah. <laughs> from the original Tomb Raider, just running around the in low, that low poly ninety ninety yeah. four. 96, I guess, if it's 20th 96. anniversary. Yeah. <laughs> work, work it out, Rob. Look at this mathematician over here. Jesus. <laughs> we you knew we hired for him for something. <laughs> <laughs> it's all those microtransactions he works with on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, my, my brain is right now a calculator. That's yeah. how it works. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the good thing is, Rob, you, you played a little bit. Um, yeah. it's I, I do think it's worth playing. It's definitely learned a lot of lessons from the first rebooted game, if you will, um, in that it is it is a lot longer. Um, it didn't outstay its welcome. Right, that's the key uh, bit, right? Because they could have easily over overdone it. And I think that there's a lot more going on. Uh, there's like side stuff. There's 
collecting equipment or like materials to construct stuff. Yeah, it also has a little bit of the sort of metro Metroidvania thing that like in certain mm. in a lot of areas you can't go back until you found other items which you will find later on in the game. Right. Ah, I love that. Yeah. So you you know me, Bob. I'm a mm. you know, I'm super obsessed with collecting everything that I can in games and stuff. Um, yes indeed. But this this makes me ask immediately, uh, do you think that perhaps your gameplay from Rise of the Tomb Raider got elongated because you spend more time with the side quest and exploration? than you did with the original Tomb Raider reboot, perhaps? Yeah, but it's still valid gameplay. I mean, the way the collectibles are structured is is really once you have the tool, mm. it's very easy to pick them up. Ah. You, it's not like you've got to go through tons of work to, to get them. Um, and the optional tombs are actually really nice. It, it harks back, for me, to the earlier Assassin's Creed when you had like the, the challenge dungeons. Oh uh, yes, I remember. In like Assassin's Creed Three, or you know, whichever the Italian ones were, you had the the sort of the the optional challenge dungeons that mm. would unlock suits of armor, and they were actually really good bits of gameplay. Yes, and the Very optional well tombs. Yeah, the optional tombs are like that. You go in, and there's a puzzle that, no, while not super fiendish, they're challenging enough to make you think like, ah, oh, I'm pretty smart. I figured that out without looking at a walkthrough, kind of thing. Yeah. And they look different. They're they're unique in the in sort of the set piece. Yes. Like there's one way. There's this like uh, what looks like a pirate ship that's off the edge of a precipice, and you're climbing up it, and it's in this cavern which uh, you could have you could have bypassed bypassed for the for the most part. You could have just walked past it and and moved on. Uh, yeah, it's really sort of epic epic settings in the most part. There's yeah. one later which is like a in like a tomb filled with like sulfuric gas and things like this it's it goes back to being tomb raider because you know it is it is now tomb raider is definitely in the uncharted far cry type setting which is basically sort of a more or less open world that you can go around and you end up killing a huge amount of dudes and you are um, you know for the most part not raiding any tombs (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that kind of bothers me of pretty much every kind of game like this. Mate, you just wait till my new article comes out in the next couple of days. We'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> All but right. I'm actually I have been I have been sort of inspired into writing about this very thing because it 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 does have that same problem as Uncharted. Yeah. That this is a very nice running, jumping, climbing trees type game, but in between that, you're slaughtering wave after wave of men. <laughs> mm-hmm. The you ultimate super again, soldier. Yeah, and again, you're you're in the mountains of the Himalayas or whatever, so it's like, how the hell did they get all these guys here? You know. <laughs> but um, uh, otherwise, the game is the game is pretty nice. It's it's if you liked the what was the first one called? Just Tomb Raider. I yeah, Tomb Raider. Remember. Yeah, just Tomb Raider. If you like Tomb Raider, I think you're going to enjoy this. There's a lot more to it, uh, especially the PS4 game gives you all the DLC. So there's one mission DLC. Which was quite nice, quite different. Um, you have then the Croft Manor. Oh, nice! There's two parts. There's two parts to Croft Manor, which is one is going around Croft Manor, finding story, sort of backstory about what happened to your father and what happened to your mother, and this kind of thing. Um, finding out the history of Lara and finding out the history of Croft Manor, things like that. And then there's another one which is like uh, sort of a zombies mode, 
<laughs> what? Yeah, you're running around Croft Manor and there's like it's like a horde mode almost where there's like you have to find three skulls hidden around the manor and destroy them and then go defeat a final boss in the entranceway. But the cool thing is, not for you, Bob, but uh, <laughs> the cool thing is, with the Croft Manor, you can do it in VR. <laughs> oh, is that why it's not for him? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Since he didn't respond to my gentle ribbing on Twitter the other day, I thought I'd... Uh... <laughs> I, did. I, I knew it was you, and I was tempted, yeah, but I, I decided I'm a better person than that. You rose above. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I salute you for it. But uh, yeah, you can you can look around Croft Manor in VR. It's all very cool. Um, and then there's a couple of other um, DLC that I didn't try, which was one is Cold Darkness, which is, I, I think it's like Call of Duty zombie mode. Basically, mm-hmm. you're trapped in a facility and you have to try and sneak past or eliminate many zombies. And then there's another one which is endurance co-op. So it's like, well, there's endurance and endurance co-op. So you can survive, um, like through the wilderness. So you can freeze, you can starve. You have to kill animals. You have to find resources. It sounds a bit like what you were playing in the forest, Rob. Okay, uh, so you, the main mission is stay alive because the environment's killing you. Exactly. By hunting. So you stay- Okay. Yeah, basically, you're trapped in the Siberian wilderness and you have to stay alive. Like, you fall in a river, you start freezing. You, you're trapped in deep snow, you start freezing. You have to gather wood for fires or kill animals for, you know, meat to eat and things like this. And then you can also do that co-op. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's local or if it's online co-op, how it exactly works, because I haven't bothered with it. It's probably uh, online only. But I would say so. Yeah, I don't know for sure. It would make sense. And then to top it all off, you've got um, cards. So, yeah, there's an online there's an online shop. You also earn in-game credits and you also earn gifts for uh, passing certain milestones in the story. And they will give you like a little booster pack of cards. And then you can go back and you can replay missions in score attack mode and things like this to to try and speed run almost and get the best score across game in game levels. So basically um, these cards are like additional modifiers. challenges or modifiers for levels? They're modifiers, yeah. So you get like uh enemy strengthening, enemy weakening, Lara strengthening, Lara weakening, um outfits, things like this. And you can either sell them for more in game credits or you can um you can use them uh, and then they get you them. more points, right? If you exactly. like ones that are like complications. Yeah. Like, so I had one, for example, that I couldn't heal except with mm. bandages. Like there was no health regeneration. Okay. Um, also that I started with no ammo. So I had to go in because I knew the first mission, for example, that only right at the very end you have to fight. And I think you only have to kill one guy. So okay. I, I boosted my score by 100% by having no no ammo in my clips. So I had to melee the first guy. Mm. I guess they're single-use cards then. That's the point of them. You burn them. You burn them, yeah. So, but again, you can either get them, for, buy them again from in-game currency or pay real Brexit uh, books. Uh, Brexit books. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you get, you get so many. I mean, you get so many, um, so many cards given to you through the game. And I think by having the 20th anniversary edition, it gives you something like 100,000 credits at the beginning mm. 
which is enough for a, a platinum deck, which is like 30 cards or something like that. So, And then playing through the game and doing score attacks and things. Yeah, you get loads of points. So, there's, I mean, there is a huge amount of stuff to do in this yeah, game. Yeah, sounds like it. Hmm. Um, it wasn't quite what I expected to take on. Like, I hadn't finished the campaign in Battlefield 1. And I was, no. but I wasn't really feeling it, so I was like, "Oh, I'll just start Tomb Raider," thinking it was going to be like another sort of ten-hour story experience. And two and a half days later, I was there, like, "Why? When will it end?" <laughs> I need water. But you're enjoy you're enjoying all the side stuff after the the main the main core game. Is that true? Well, I know no because I've really done everything in the main core because I'm that kind of obsessive. Now it's just mm. like mopping up collectibles, which I will get to. Um. But I will get to probably with a walkthrough, because <laughs> <laughs> okay. I did a lot. Because a lot of it isn't helping. Like uh, there's like one of the collectibles are coin caches, and you find these old coins which you can use in a certain shop in the game. Like there's like a black market. What are you buying, stranger? <laughs> kind of thing um, that you can buy other stuff from. Okay. But now I've finished the game, I really don't need to go back and buy an assault <laughs> rifle. You know, I finished right. the game without an assault rifle, so <laughs> hmm. it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's really good. There's a lot of content there. It's definitely worth picking up if you're a fan of Uncharted, Assassin's Creed, um, the original Tomb Raider, the new original Tomb Raider, <laughs> should I say. It all gets far too complicated. But uh, yeah, it was good. Okay, Nice. All right. I yeah. should I should get back to it. It being released um, a year after its original release kind of does favors for those who picked up back then because it just reminds them of its existence. <laughs> so, yeah, it might also remind you that if you got it on Xbox, you might have to pay about 30 quid in DLC to get the same stuff you get on the PlayStation. Sure, but like but, nothing, nothing that's nothing that you've explained really jumps out at me. It's something I'd want to spend time with, like, other than. Other than the single player just playing through the game, I'm pro- that's probably all I'm going to do, and then sure. drop it for some something else. But uh, it, the one the one piece of story DLC is actually quite nice, uh, Baba Yaga. Okay, that's like the uh, the ICSE. So right? witch, yeah, it's a witch that oh, lives okay. in yeah that lives in part of the story. They open up a new area basically, mm. and you have to go find out what's happened to this person's granddad. Okay, and I was thinking of Far Cry Four. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And Far okay. Cry again. That's a game that I never bought any DLC for, even though I like I loved the uh, main game and I platinumed mm. it and did whatever and then left it. Like in fact, Bob, you were helping me get my I last trophy, that. <laughs> <laughs> desperately helping me trying to get the last trophy. And then uh, we spent like one hour trying to get the same trophy for myself, only to find out that I couldn't get it because I I didn't have too. no because I didn't have a a, a a skill that had to be unlocked. Oh, and it was that, the um, drive-by thing, no? Right, yeah. exactly the drive-by oh thing. I needed, I needed to use a particular skill to get this trophy, and I was just like, "How do I do it?" <laughs> and Tom was like, "Just press square," and I was like, "I can't do it. What's <laughs> happening?" Jeez. I just didn't have the skill unlocked, and we spent like one hour there. Mm-hmm. Good times. We'll do it again. Life. Yeah, good, good times. Yeah. Mm. So on top of that, I've also, I mean, it, it is the season for big AAA releases. Um, mm. I'm not going to be ashamed of playing the big boys this week. Uh, I've been playing Battlefield 1. Mm-hmm. Best Battlefield. I oh, would wow. say. Best Battlefield. 
Well, so what? What? Yeah, get, throw uh, run us through your your history of Battlefield because I know that you are a fan. But uh, where did you start? Started really back in the day with Battlefield Two. Oh, okay. On PC, playing with a friend, but that wasn't really like that. Was just playing odds and sods. Back mm. in those days, we were too busy playing tribes all the time. <laughs> uh, my first biggie was Bad Company Two. Ah. Nice. Battlefield Bad Company 2, and I have something like 600 hours logged on that game. Something around that, maybe more. Um, on the multiplayer, I, I, I presume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I followed the series along, but with diminishing returns every time. Mm. So Battlefield 3 was around 400 hours. Battlefield 4 was around 100 hours even. And Hardline didn't even get up to 100 hours. Uh-huh. It was around 70. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but my life has changed. 70 is um, nothing to sneeze at anyway. No, no, it's not. Um, it's it's a Skyrim level of playing Fallout, you know, or something. Right. It's a decent RPG's length of time. Mm. But um, basically, you know, life changes. I had more commitments. Uh, my squad didn't play anymore. <laughs> like on yeah. Xbox 360 with Bad Company 2 and through the Vietnam expansion, I had a group of four people who would regularly be online and we would take people to pieces. Yeah, um, makes all the difference. My, yeah, my engineer was feared across three continents, I think. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, So I got back into Battlefield 1. Uh, the multiplayer is, is Battlefield. Yeah. You know, it hasn't really changed very much. It's still that enjoyable thing. I I, I fell straight back into it. Only difference is that pistols are absolutely abominable in this game. <laughs> you can't hit anybody. You couldn't hit anybody that was more than 10 feet away with a decent pistol in that game. Um, but what really surprised me was the campaign and how well done that is. It's just, it's a stunning, stunning piece of work. Because, okay. you know, ba- Battlefield has been derided in the past for its campaigns, I think. Yeah. Um. I played through Hardline's campaign completely non-lethally, I believe, um, because I felt like I was being a proper cop. But uh, this was really <laughs> good. This was, I mean, you guys know, right? You you know what it is. It's the five stories. Um, yeah, you can t- you can um, you can play them in any order, and then mm. you're playing as different characters in each one, and it kind of serves as. It's interesting because you're playing from different perspectives, but also uh, it gets you to, it sort of tutorializes the different aspects of the multiplayer from different classes to different um, vehicles. Yeah. Uh, I've not played, I've not played through it myself, um, but is that something that you like as opposed to the sort of more linear campaigns? Well, I think if I remember if Battlefield 4 had like off missions where you would play as a pilot or something where you weren't playing as... uh, Or you you dropped into a tank or whatever, yeah. Yeah, but this one actually is like the first... I mean, if you take it numerically across the map, the Mm. first mission is basically the movie Fury where you are a tank driver and you are basically faced with insurmountable odds as the lone surviving tank of your armor column. Hmm. Um. That's super good. So you, you know, I mean, you're driving through the mud and the trenches of uh, Amiens and then you, you get out and you have to like uh, recon some spare parts and all of this kind of stuff. Really well done. Really kind of frenetic. Um, then you're, there's a, a pilot with an, an American uh, pilot with a, who's really cool because he's, 
he's super arrogant, super amazing, and the story is like the least believable part <laughs> of it. I mean, you're shooting down blimps over the River Thames, um, you know, things like this. But then, I mean, the idea is that he's maybe not the most reliable narrator. It's like a spin on the war stories that get exaggerated. Sure. So classic grandpa. Yeah, classic grandpa story. Like, <laughs> this is what I did in the war. And it's like I single-handedly fought 15 hmm. Jerry's on top of a airship that was attacking London. That probably makes the best video games, though. Yeah, no, but that's the thing. It's like a, a tip of the hat and a you know a little wink to say this is a massive bombastic Hollywood version of World War One, mm. and it might not be true. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, then you've got uh, an Italian soldier in the Alps, um, which is really cool. It's a part of the warfare. I never knew anything about the Arditi, uh, which is like armored soldiers. They would literally strap themselves into like. Like iron exoskeletons, plate. but just read a Yeah, walk up, walk up a mountain with a with a massive machine gun, you know. Okay. Taking fire from all sides. Uh, you have um, Lawrence of Arabia in Jordan, like fighting in the desert. Mm-hmm. That's more sort of like stealth kills, alarm disabling, that kind of thing. Um, and what's the other one? <laughs> I've forgotten. Anyway, there's another one. It's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> you play as an, an amnesia patient. And- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you are just like a more bog-standard soldier. But I don't remember exactly what it is. I'm sure it'll come back to me. But yeah, I mean, the the whole campaign, like the, the thing is, even if you ignore what happens in the campaign, um, there's like a little level before it. And honestly, it's the closest I've been to crying. That one I played... You mean yeah. the, f- the very first one? Holy shit, I was almost in tears yeah. at, at the end of that game. And like, not many games have done that to me. And it was just like, holy shit, this is going to be something different. This is something not expected, you know? Well, they did convey then, war is bad, war sucks. And- yeah, I mean, you, you do sort of have to balance it about the fact that then you launch immediately into multiplayer and go around stabbing a bunch of people with a bowie knife. But <laughs> yeah. Messaging in the chat and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, because it's PlayStation, so there's no chat message. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At least you have that going for you. Mate, I, I, I'm really appreciating online games a lot more now. Nobody can talk to me. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I've used, like, there's a huge decline in the use of voice chat on consoles. Like, back in the 360 days, because it was packed into the console, everyone yeah. was on there. And now... Like, you're lucky if it's more... Well, you're lucky if there's no one because usually it's some kid who you really wish didn't have a headset. Whereas, <laughs> whereas back back then, you're more likely to find people and sort of group together and make friends because there's a human, more human element of, of chatting with them. Yeah. But actually, now I think... My, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, tell me, tell me. All right, yeah, actually, I think my theory when it comes to voice chat is that it's gone, um, um, it's gone a lot more privately now. Because now you can form your your own parties, your own squads and such. And uh, in the beginning, when the Xbox 360 came out, then everything was really new, and and we all wanted to like know get to know each other and such. I was more of a fan of just talking to my friends in my Xbox party or whatever is the call is private conversations, and that's it. Mm. But right now, what I encounter when I when I just find uh, people online with voice chat is either people who don't know that the microphone is on and I'm just listening to the music <laughs> behind them. Yeah. And they just have the headset laying around somewhere. And, so so yeah. Stu, right? Stu, for example. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
or people who scream a lot or people who like to give orders a lot and they mm. get super salty when they are not followed. So, yeah, uh, for those people who still want to do like proper voice chat, uh, coordination and, and chat, they just go private and that's it. Yeah, well, also the, the systems themselves are encouraging more sort of private party stuff anyway. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's all based on what's being delivered by the console, I guess. Right. And I think it's I think it's more special almost now when you can get into those moments. I mean, we're we're all in a group of friends who are hitting sort of mid twenties to mid to almost forty, I would say, uh, across the group of friends. Sure. And we all have commitments. We're all working. We've all got like partners or whatever, and it's just like it's super difficult. So I think it's really special now. Like I was playing Battlefield, and I played it silently up until Friday night. Mm. When it was me, Ruben, John, and Alon, like uh-huh. a super disparate party of people that we know, and like you know, Ruben, I haven't spoken to in about six months or a year. Mm. John, I play Overwatch with a lot more, so he was there. But it was it was a really nice Friday night when people happened to be on. Mm-hmm. Everybody was ready to play, and everybody was happy to chat, and it was just like, hey, that was a great Friday night, and it was totally impromptu. Mm. But we yeah. didn't have this like, okay, well, you know. A lot of the times I see other people playing in there and I don't even join their matches. I'll just join my own because I'm not in the mood to chat. Sure. I, I just mm-hmm. want to sit down and shoot some Germans or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, in, as a whole, the game is really well done. I think the multiplayer is not going to surprise anybody, but well, it's more battle. There's one, there's one thing that I've enjoyed, um, and I don't know if you've played it, operations mode within multiplayer. That's how mm-hmm. I started on Friday night. We did the massive. We won the, our first operation in this like massive push. It was cool. Mm-hmm. So the, basically, operations mode takes a few standard matches. It's most like rush mode, which was made popular by Bad Company, mm-hmm. uh, in which you would have attack or defense, and you would you try to capture two points. And if you captured them, then the attacking team would move forward, and the defending team would have to retreat. So it's just like a big big version of that played across multiple across multiple maps in in a single sort of theater of war like the the areas the sort of mini campaigns you were explaining from the single player those are kind of the venues for for each of these to a certain extent uh, yeah i played the it, italian alps version yeah uh, with with john and Ruben the other mm-hmm. night it couches the the action sort of with more information and sort of more of a cinematic feeling and it sort of makes it feel like more of an occasion, I guess. Well, more of an occasion and also more on the scale of actual warfare because, I mean, the console version that I'm using is 64 players, am I right? Yeah, they're both 64. Should be. But it's, it's 32 on each team, right? It's not 64 yes. on each team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 32 so, per team. Yeah. So, this is mag. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, <laughs> am I going crazy? I did. I did try it, but that's a story for another day. <laughs> So the idea is that, like, when you're playing a certain campaign, like, especially because I tend to play Conquest all the time, mm-hmm. you you might have 64 players, but at the same time, the, the arenas are quite vast. Yep. So I'm especially looking at the desert level on multiplayer, where it's like you might, you could be running across dunes for two to three minutes without seeing anybody. Because <laughs> they're all over in the town having a scrap, and you're running alone to you know, point G where there's sure. nobody and you're in right. the middle of the desert. Yeah. Um, the the thing about operations, what I felt is more like that World War One scale because people are dying and respawning all the time. 
So it's just like it almost feels like there are hundreds of soldiers behind you pushing to this one objective. Mm. Uh, rather than a, you know, I don't I don't know what it is. It's it's something about the sense of scale. I I don't know exactly. I, I think how it's the number it. of objectives. Like everyone is focused on one to three points, rather than you know point G out in the corner where <laughs> you happen to be going on your own. Maybe that's uh, it. But at, at the same time, I also think it's because you get like a hundred tickets or whatever to take that point. Like, it's kind of people, you know, like, six of you might rush into a building and then you all get wiped by a grenade and then it's, like, six more people running behind you. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like that sort of, that World War One style of just throwing wave after wave of men at an objective until you either take it or run out of men. <laughs> um, so it's cool. It's really nice. So the operations is good. Um, but again, it's still standard battlefield play, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's cool. I enjoyed it. And then the other big release I've been playing as well is uh, Titanfall. Titanfall 2. Yeah. So I never played the first one. And it was an, an Xbox and PC exclusive, if I recall correctly. It was yeah, I think... Yeah, 360, Xbox One and PC. Hmm. And I think I played the beta at your house, Rob. I think that's a distinct possibility. Uh, maybe, yeah. Um, I definitely played it somewhere, but I was like, ooh, I quite like the wall runny, like, that's sort of a bit different. Mm. Um, and it was mul- it was multiplayer only, basically, the first game. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there was a bit of, it was basically like a radio play that played out whilst doing uh, multiplayer matches. That was all you had in terms of a, a story or, or a coherent campaign. Um, Whereas this and- one, th- this one's gone big on the campaign. Really. And again. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, the multi the multiplayer is like a big thing, but it's not. I think the campaign is the focus this time. Like, uh, you know, Earl will punch me in the neck for this, but looking at trophies, there's <laughs> only three. But there's only three trophies you can win from multiplayer. Uh Ninety percent of the game trophies, like the achievement wise in the game, is all single player stuff, hmm. and it shows because they've made these. I mean, really bombastic sort of single-player experiences. I can see how they, they switch the focus over to the campaign because Titanfall 1, as you mentioned before, it was like very, very centered into multiplayer. So I'm guessing there are not so many changes to make on the multiplayer aspect of the game. It's not like they have to come up with it again. And they can probably divert more resources into developing an interesting campaign that fits the whole thing. But it's it's nice. I mean, you can tell it's in uh, what they call now Respawn, but it was Infinity Ward. They were the heads of Infinity Ward. That's how the story goes, right? They were yeah. Infinity Ward and then got whatever happened by Activision mm-hmm. and made Respawn. So you can see it's there. The pedigree is there. The, uh, the sort of massive bombastic campaign. I mean, uh, I do feel they're sometimes stretching it to like get you away from your robot. Because obviously Titanfall, it's it's all about falling titans. It's not about get your titan at the beginning and then do an eight-hour campaign where you're stomping about in a big robot. It's like, oh, you've got a robot now. Oh, now you don't. So mm-hmm. run around as a soldier doing soldiery things and then, you know, get your robot back for a bit mm-hmm. and a boss fight or whatever. Um, but yes, very cool so far. And there's a little twist in the campaign. I'm not going to say anything about it, but there's a part in the campaign that just goes... Oh, cool! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's just I don't a little play it thing, anymore. and it's a stupid thing. 
but it changes the dynamic. You know, so you've already got your double jumps, you've got your wall runs, you've got your grapples, you've got uh, your robot stomping, all of that kind of stuff. And then there's just this little bit of a twist in the campaign. I'm, I don't know how it's going to play out because I literally just got to this point. Um, but it's like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I'm having a lot of fun with this. Plus having your robot as a conversation partner is really nice. Because <laughs> you talk to him and he's a robot. So you'll say something and he doesn't get sarcasm. Like at one point, he opens up a hole in a building by throwing a, a massive like street lamp through it, so you can get into the building, and and you can choose to say like, "Hey, next time, why don't you just throw me?" And the robot's like, "Okay," <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "No, no, no, don't do that." <laughs> I'm squishy, <laughs> but I am playing it on the on the hardest difficulty setting, like legendary difficulty or something Master. like that. Master, Master, yeah. And uh, I know I was talking to you last week, Rob, saying complaining that the enemies were kind of psychic, mm. which they still are. They're very quick on the uptake. But I realized the issue I had was because I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> because that kind of contradicts what other friends of mine were saying about the same game. I mean, they were saying that they were also playing on the hardest difficulty and the, the AI was still dumb. And it's like, Oh, no, Whoa. the AI is still pretty dumb. But what they will do is see you very quickly. Ah. Occasionally, you can you ghost out or get them trapped behind something or whatever. It's not they're not the smartest AI ever, and it's they're obviously quite heavily scripted. Mm. But at the same time, like I just got—I mean, I was in the first level, and there was a point where you come into like an underground cavern with a lake, and there's two snipers on top, and it was like an hour mm. trying to pick those snipers off before they picked me off. And I'm like, how do they know? I would cloak, uncloak, and they'd be like, oh, there he is, blaff right in the face. What I realized is I had been drinking quite extensively <laughs> and my reactions and aim were maybe not what they should have been. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I was getting straight happen. up murdered because, you know, I just wasn't quick enough. Well, well. But yeah, definitely check it out. If I mean, here's the coolest thing, you know. I'm going to try and describe it because, you know, you guys can see me on camera, but... I'm going to close my eyes. One of the coolest things is that your getting into your robot is context sensitive. So let's say that you're in multiplayer and you're you're as a soldier, but your Titan is outside, and the Titan will fight for itself. Mm -hmm. So you mm -hmm. don't actually have to be in your Titan. It's like a like a AI controlled Titan, and it actually does pretty well. Um, but it's context sensitive. So let's say you jump off a building over your Titan, and you press the button to embark. There's like a hatch on the top, so you'll land on the top of the Titan, pop the hatch, and jump in. Mm. Mm -hmm. If you're underneath the Titan, the belly hatch will open, and you just climb in, like up the leg, or and the, into or the... the arm will grab you and put you in. Yeah, that is the coolest thing. Like, if you're <laughs> running, like I was running away from a dude who was chasing me through a building. Like, luckily his aim was crap, but he was, you know, still chasing me. <laughs> and I jumped out of a window, and my Titan was stood outside. This guy didn't know that. Because I can see, you can always see your Titan on the map. Mm. So I was like desperately running through this building. I jumped out of the window and the Titan caught me. <laughs> he plucked me out of the air with his hand and popped me in his chest. And then I just swung around at the guy and the guy lost his shit. He was like, no. Because <laughs> I have the Ronin Titan, which is like a, a short range, like shotgun and sword Titan. Ah, Jeez. okay. So I just spun around with this 
uber shotgun that the guy has, just like, boom, boom. <laughs> like <laughs> fuck you. But it, I mean, my Titan caught me. There, there has not been a cooler moment in video games this year than mm. jumping out of the window of a building and getting plucked out of the air by a giant robot. Yeah, you're just describing exactly the way I felt when that happened to me on Titanfall One. It's like, oh yeah, my god, like, this is the coolest thing yeah. ever. <laughs> hmm. yeah, Squealing yeah, yeah. like a child, you know. <laughs> but yeah, that's really pretty good, good. Man. Yeah, and that's that's my week, really. Triple A, triple A heaven, all the way. Probably <laughs> <laughs> well, something like you know two hundred pounds worth of games there, but that's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Should I continue then? Yeah, yeah go thought. ahead. Yeah, all right. So uh, my week has also been like rather triple A ish, but in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing that I'm going to talk about: uh, we tried World of Final Fantasy, which was released last week. I think we got yeah, I think we got it on Wednesday. So um, think about World of Final Fantasy as some sort of crossover between Final Fantasy characters and monsters with Pokemon, because. Um, yeah, and super uh, cutesy, right? Yeah, super cutie because the characters are clearly designed by the same character designer from Square Enix has been doing the last 20, 30 games. So uh, mm-hmm. it's definitely Tetsuya Nomura. You can find the most characteristic work in Kingdom Hearts. So that's pretty much the style that the guy is going for in these characters. But yeah, um, the game presents itself, the difference between uh, being like a grown fully fledged humanoid character so to speak and you can press like a sequence of buttons to turn it into a, a little chibi style character and the difference i think they're called giants and lilikins um the only difference that they have is that the monsters that go with you on like classic turn based rpg fights depend on the form that you are taking so let me just elaborate on that um, the yeah, way you've lost me already. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I'm not the best thing, the best person to explain anything ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. All right, let me start over. Um, the way uh, Final World of Final Fantasy works is just a regular, uh, old school RPG where you would explore like predefined dungeons or levels or worlds, so to speak, and you would get random encounters that uh, lead into a turn-based battle. And um, and you get some monsters to fight along your side from the two main characters. I already forgot the names, like uh, Dan, Ran, and uh, Lian, or something like. I can I don't know, but it's like Steve, rather similar. Stephen Jenny. Stephen Jenny. Let's call yeah, him well. Stephen Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> so, what um, was it you sent me today? Nicola and Bart. There you go. <laughs> Nicola and Bart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can have. Uh, several monsters to accompany you in your, in your journey and they are classified in three different sizes like large medium and small monsters and um you're going to have form what well, you're going to have them forming a stack so you're going to have one on top of the other if your character is actually on the on the human size then that will count as a large monster and if it actually is turned into the small thing then it counts as a medium sized monster so you can have the humanoid character, a medium-sized monster on top of his head, and a smaller <laughs> monster on top of the monster's head. And they all three attack as one. It's like totem pole monster 
Yeah, kind of like that. Totem <laughs> pole like monster the three thing. Kids, three kids inside a lab coat pretending yeah. to be a full-size doctor. That would be, actually, that would be the best possible explanation. Have you seen Bojack Horseman? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, it's the same thing. Like, three kids inside a coat yeah. pr- pretending to be a single person. It's kind of like that. Uh, so, all the three monsters, all the three characters count as one in terms of HP, attack values, defense values, and turns. So, you, they all take the turn at the same time. And uh, and also they share the skills. So uh, if you don't feel like having all three on the same totem, so to speak, you can spread them out, which makes you have triple the turns, triple the attacks, and then they have their they get their individual attributes, HP, attacks, and such. But of course, they are much weaker. So imagine that if you have a totem and an enemy attacks you, uh, then the three of them will get the 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 damage at the same time but it's kind of like distributed out. So if you unstuck them later, then the the loss of HP is not that big. But So you could you could potentially kill like a small size monster in one hit, but if it was yeah. stacked, exactly. they would be okay. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and that's pretty much the way the game revolves around. So all this stacking mechanic is basically what defines the, the flow of the battles because the enemies do that as well. So especially boss fights, they also have these stacks of monsters and they just put like large, medium and small. There are certain attacks that you have that that, that can make these stacks topple down. So uh, you will undo these stacks. And the same goes for the enemies. So maybe you have your stack uh, confidently put up, but they, they release like an earthquake attack that makes your stack topple and and you lose your formation. And then you have to spend one turn to get the stack together and such and such. It's... Um, it's it, it may sound complicated, but it truly isn't. So it's actually a nice and easy game to get into. If you are missing some sort of uh, RPG, turn-based RPG from the 90s, early 2000s, this may be actually a very good uh, entry point mm-hmm. because um, the, the only references that it has to other Final Fantasy games are basically the characters. They okay. don't, the story is brand new and, uh, you, you're not really going to miss anything if you haven't played any of them at all. You're just not going to recognize the characters. Would you recommend it to somebody asking for a friend, obviously, uh, <laughs> to somebody who has only played most of Final Fantasy X, was completely put off by Final Fantasy VII, and doesn't like Kingdom Hearts? Uh, did and this friend. <laughs> yeah, and it has an absolute morbid fear <laughs> of putting things on top of other things. <laughs> well, uh, does this hypothetical friend um, <laughs> enjoy old school RPGs? Like, let's say, for example, uh, Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy VI Dragon Quest or something like that? They never played this hypothetical friend. They never played any other Final Fantasies apart from ten and a bit of an aborted attempt at seven but yeah. secret of mana was up there mm-hmm. but secret of mana was more like a a, a real-time action yes. game if i recall correctly but yeah but in i any do case, like the or my hypothetical friend sorry uh does very much like the Tales series like okay the tales of uh vesperia or whatever right so um this person enjoyed 10 but not seven right we, we can just drop the shirt by now. <laughs> no, no, no. I've, uh, I've just looked at what Rob's done on his camera. Okay. Um, look, at his, look at his game that he's currently playing. <laughs> I'm just testing for the marathon, guys. Don't worry. Yeah. No, fair enough. But yes, uh, anyway. So, um, yeah. 
10, 10 was alright. Got put off because I got to like one of the later bosses and uh, couldn't get past because I hadn't done enough grinding mm-hmm. uh, to that point because um, I was following a walkthrough. Well, assuming that up to that point the game was enjoyable, then yes, I would recommend it. It okay. pretty much like gathers the same feeling as any other old-school RPGs, turn-based and such, but it's not as... I don't want to say dull because Final Fantasy VII was not really dull. It's just like it was the first game to try to get these mechanics into a 3D game. Mm-hmm. So let, let's just give it the benefit of the doubt, saying that it was slower than it should be, but it was the first time that it was ever done, so that's why people like it so much, all right? Um, yes, I still do recommend this game. Uh, okay. I think people who enjoy turn-based RPGs and haven't really played any for a long, long time, because I haven't really seen any worth any mentioning worth mentioning RPGs that other than really obscure ones like uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions or... Megami Tensei, Shin Megami Tensei 4. Um, this is like a really high profile, so to speak, um, old school old RPG school. Yeah. that has come out. And, and I do recommend it because it's refreshing to see. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, there are some games, there are some big ones coming out though. I mean, there's Final Fantasy 15, uh, yeah. 1st of December. Yes, but maybe but no. that's a bit too dense. Did you try the demo of Final Fantasy fifteen? Uh, I saw it getting played. Uh, okay, but you're basically going to say that it's not the classic RP like turn-based JRPG that you're getting with this world of Final Fantasy, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's pretty much that. I mean, Final Fantasy has been changing the mechanics of the gameplay ever since ten was released. Mm. So eleven was an MMORPG. Twelve made it into this sort of um, real-time slash uh, automatic play with gambits RPG, yeah. where the positioning of the fights would matter and such. Thirteen, you know how that went. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it though, but yeah, mm. that's that. Fourteen is another MMORPG, and fifteen is uh, more for what I've played at least on the old demos. It's more resembling to Kingdom Hearts with a Final Fantasy makeover mm. which is also good but it's not the old school final fantasy rpg that people seem to be demanding and even the remake of final fantasy 7 is going to be like this apparently yeah yeah which it doesn't look like it's that looks like a disaster and chapter based as well no like uh i don't know based. episode i don't yeah. i don't know i wonder i'm i'm curious to see but i do not really uh have a lot of faith put up into that but because well if yeah. i wanted the old experience i will just play the old game it's fine mm. um but but yeah, this one is like back to the roots. So it's back to the year 2000 and we just released a brand new Final Fantasy game with all this chibi little version of the characters that you already know with a brand new story that you may get into. And, and so far I found it um, oriented to perhaps children. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's very it's very lighthearted. It's very like comedic and, uh, you know, Things that you would see on a Saturday's cartoon for kids. Like, enjoyable so far. If you can, like, put off your brain and do not try to find, like, a very deep meaning or uh, really unexpected twist, well, no. that's fine. So you will enjoy this game for sure. Okay. But yeah. Okay. What else? Um, I've also played a little bit of Skylanders Giants because um, I-, I had it... Um, 
given as a present from one of my friends. I got the Wii U version of Skylanders Giants. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I do like the idea of Skylanders and the figures and and how to play with them, and, well, you know that the Skylanders is a huge, successful franchise. Mm-hmm. So the Skylanders it, by themselves make so much money to Activision that I, I just cannot believe it. And uh, I I tend to think that the Skylanders themselves inspired Nintendo to make the Amiibos. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, so they're making so much money with these. And uh, what if we just make our own official things? Oh, my God. Right, yeah. And that, yeah, but, and Nintendo don't really need to even think about making a game around it. They yeah. just make my favorite figure in a in a toy and that will sell. And you can so, you can maybe so use you it. Think, but Disney mm-hmm. tried the same model and they've just shuttered uh, the Infinity. Uh, they've closed Rec- it down. Recently, so, yeah. That's, yeah, but, uh, yeah. But they fell foul. They fell foul of... I mean, they've got more licensable characters and, like, obviously, as, yeah. as maybe people know, I work in an online toy shop. So, you know, I see mm. these models come through and I have, like, a little Groot sat on my desk and whatever and, like, the models are really well done. Mm-hmm. The licensing is really well done. Like the, you, you, you pick up the Disney Infinity, like the Star Wars range or whatever, and it's like those are so cool as figures. And the yeah. game was intended to be really high quality. Like they Not got the game um, was crap. The game was crap. Yeah, because is, you I'm don't afraid. get in in the starter pack. You don't get a game. You get okay. a sandbox. Yeah, that is something that I wanted to delve into. So uh, the reason why this friend of mine gave me this Skylander starting set is because I was like, for for one whole year, I was on the fence, should I get Skylanders or should I get Disney Infinity? Because I really like the idea of having Disney characters and Marvel characters and Star Wars characters and make stuff and play stuff with them. But Skylanders seems to be the better game, you know? And that's something... What about Lego? Lego, I haven't Infin- tried that Lego, yet. yeah, Lego, whatever it's Dimensions. called, Universe or Dimensions, Dimensions, Dimensions. Uh, a, I haven't tried a, it yet. From a retail point of view, from what we sell, it was just wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. I think they they maybe missed their audience because they had Lego, which is Lego. Everybody loves Lego, but then they tried to do this toys to life type angle. But then the franchises that they brought, like the original starter packs, were like The Simpsons, Back to the Future, and Doctor Who. Yeah. And Doctor Who and Portal. Yeah. So you you're going for four franchises, which is the sort of the domain of the at least teenage, I would say, to the thirty something nerd. Sure, mm. you There's know you don't upwards. Yes. Yeah. But those kind of people, those are the people who collect amiibos because they love Nintendo, not because they're playing with the amiibos. Yeah, and then the game was pretty rudimentary. It's like it was. Good yeah. enough. So it was like, like a Lego game. Head. It was all right, and then you had to, but then you, like, the same with Disney Infinity, is you had to buy a lot of other packs to actually make the game worthwhile, whereas Skylanders sure. has a game from the get-go. Game first. Right. Game first. Characters yeah. later. Yeah. Mm. I think it's the right call, to be honest. If you if you are looking into joining this kind of toy-to-life uh, bandwagon, so to speak, I think I think Skylanders is still the best point of entry. Because it's what it's just what you said. I mean, with Skylanders, you get the better game. You can just play it, no problem, with your own uh, figures. You don't. You will not have, apparently, for the way I've seen it right now, you do not have some sort of roadblock that will uh, require you for a special figure to continue. But if you get more, so, um, so I played the first game, mm. and 
there were there were levels like mini levels or paths that were only available with a certain element yeah that, that still persists, that still stands at, at giants yeah um, that okay. persists i was playing swap force testing mm-hmm. purposes obviously in the office yeah. i had to of course, make of sure what languages were on the disc mm-hmm. um so with swap force you there are the same things and that swap force is one of the more recent iterations if i recall correctly Mm. Um, and that still had this idea of branching paths. Mm. But the idea with Swap Force is you only really need half of a character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you swap it out. You can you snap them in half and stick them together, mm. and then you yeah, get top, like... An, at the waist, yeah. Yeah, at the waist. So I would imagine that you could be like, hey, Rob, could you lend me the top half of a fire, Skylander? <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know? But yeah, it makes me a bit sad that this is actually uh, the end for Disney Infinity because, as Tom just mentioned, the figures were super high quality and I just loved every single one of them. I even thought about just buying the the figurines by themselves and display them. Mm. But the game itself is no such thing. I mean, it has like a level that you can play with that character. Just put the character, you play the level that is given, which is is generally rather simple. Mm. I, I think I played the Incredibles level and it was, yeah, nothing out of the ordinary. And other than that, what you get is just a sandbox to create your own games, sure. which is which is all right. I mean, the idea behind it is fine. I mean, you've already done this with uh, Little Big Planet or, I don't know, uh, Project Spark. If anyone remembers Project Spark? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I know what it is. I, yeah, but I it launched just, it. I yeah. just don't, yeah. And you can share stuff with other players, right? In uh, yes, in Disney. Yeah, I but again, they're, they're marketing. They're marketing Disney to like probably seven to ten year olds, right? Mm. And they're not really the kind of audience that's going to be generating levels and sitting. That's there. way it's too not, complicated. Yeah, yeah. It's not like Mario Maker, which is like very much like budding video game designers. Here's Mario assets mm-hmm. to piss about with and to create your own fiendish levels. This is like. Hey kids, I've just bought you, I don't know, Maleficent and Cinderella and Tinkerbell. What can you do with them? Oh, you can run around a featureless cityscape shooting other enemies with a magic wand. You can wand. put them on a car or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and it's like, you know, until you buy the next expansion pack which actually has like a little uh crystal in it that you put on the portal and then that opens a level that you play through. Mm. So yeah, I think they missed the boat. Skylanders for from what I tested at work was much more complete. I mean, it's not something that I would ever have in my house, A, because I don't have the space for collectibles, but B, also because I probably couldn't be asked to well, collect so There's an element of ca- like keeping up, and then they release new versions every year, which has some kind of twists uh, that means that you you need to get something new. Like they've They've pulled along all the old stuff, right? Like my my original Skylanders will probably work with Giants and whatever this year's one yes. is, origi- original malls or something. I can't yeah, remember. Im- Imaginators or something. Imaginators, Imagin- yeah. Um, now there's Superchargers as well, so there's two like two new ones, there's Superchargers and something like Imaginators. Since and- Giants. Mm-hmm. But right. the new one, the new one has other people's IPs in there as well? I think as far oh, as I yeah. know, Crash Bandicoot was... Superchargers yes, has Donkey Kong in it. I'm fairly ah, sure. It's Bowser, Bowser, Bowser as well, because they're they're in cars. So I guess sort of the Mario Kart. But of, of course, 
only for the Wii U version. So ah, yeah? those yeah, those characters are not oh, of course, out, yeah. or for the PS4 or anything. It's just for the Wii U version, you can have Donkey Kong and Bowser. Mm-hmm. And apparently those work also as a Donkey Kong and Bowser amiibos if you do not own them. Oh, really? Yeah, for the games, apparently, uh, at least that's what the box says. So if you have a, a game that allows interaction with a Donkey Kong or a Bowser amiibo, you can use that instead. For that's some pretty hefty crossover right there. Yeah. Yeah, it probably works really well with yeah, cross promoting the <laughs> both games. It's mm. the original inspiration with the actual functionality for amiibos. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. how do you feel about it? I mean, is it something that you would probably carry on with? I mean, you've been playing it cuz it's a gift and like Honestly, uh, I quite like the game. So it's a fun platformer if you can just set your your mind for obviously a, a kid's mind cuz it's very much intended for children. Mm-hmm. If you can go through with that, then it's a rather enjoyable game. But there are two big things that bother me a little, which uh, end up piling up on my experience. So the first one is that the Wii U version is clearly the inferior of them all, I would say, because it has severe frame drops every now and then. And it's like, yeah, okay, so maybe the Wii U just cannot handle all the all the colors or something. <laughs> I, I, I do not know. But I see the frame drops and I'm like, eh, I'm starting to, to feel it. And the second one is that the level design seems to have um, like platforms and, and cliffs and verticality. So things that you would have to walk and fall into another platform and then go down, down, down. But your characters have not the ability to jump. So it's one of those things that if you go towards this way, you just fall uh, on a small small cliff or something, you would either have to go around all the way in order to find the ramp that would take you back to the upper level, hmm. or or it's a point of no return that you cannot go back from, which is just to progress in the level. And And I really, really hate that. So I would much prefer that the levels were flat with no verticality whatsoever if I cannot jump. Other than 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 just teasing me with with different levels, there are certain parts of levels that have like a like a jump pad, like a button that you go through and it just propels you through the air, like a regular yeah a jump pad. Can you get Skylanders who can fly? Uh, yeah, but they are a shitty flyer, so they just like <laughs> yeah yeah. I mean, it, it, I I do not consider that as flying because I have two of them that can fly. Falling and the style. moment you press yeah. the moment you press the flying button, what they do is they just they just like lift the foot from the where they're standing and they are flying, but they are just on the same Ho- on the same hovering height. at the same plane. Yeah, they're just hovering on the same plane, but it counts as flying, and the moveset changes. Jumping but, in slow uh, motion. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I don't know that that really bothers me, but it doesn't really take me away from from enjoying. But again, maybe 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 that bothers you as an adult game designer kind of thing. <laughs> maybe than so, like maybe so. Like I mean, maybe I wouldn't give as, as as much of an importance if I were like younger or not a game designer. Yeah. But it, that that's what I mean. But I can I can still enjoy the game. But these things really bother me for some reason. I mm-hmm. I still do recommend it if you if you are thinking into spending millions of euros into these things <laughs> yeah well, hit me up man i can sort you out for cheap <laughs> i will <laughs> I'll, I'll supply your addiction don't worry <laughs> yeah I, i'm really scared that i actually get to that point man here's here's a skylander story for you right we've got loads that are like for whatever reason because the packaging that these little fuckers come in are, are really flimsy so we send these things to Amazon, whatever, and, and a lot of them just get damaged in transit. 
Um, so a lot of them come back to us. And then what we do is we split them out of their boxes and we'll we'll try and sell them as figure only, you know. Yeah. Now on eBay, per figure, you could probably get a quid. Okay. You know, a euro per figure. Put 10 of them together, put them on a bid on eBay, <laughs> they'll go for 40 pounds. Oh my god. <laughs> this is my this is my awesome business tactic has been putting together 10 random skylanders like a lucky dip of skylanders on bid on eBay and people are just like yay let's go crazy. Well, <laughs> you would have hoping is it hoping that one of them is like a a rare one? What's the No, because it's not it's not a blind it's not a blind bag. Oh, you are. It's just okay. literally like I've got a box full of open skylanders so I'm like right, let's pick 10 different ones. And then I list them and I put them on the names like, okay, this one's Scratch, this one's, you know, Gil Grunt, and this one's whatever. And you just put 10 in and people go crazy for it. I'm guessing that they will only have to pay shipping for one of them. I mean, if they buy the bundle, they well, will have to pay free shipping Well, shipping's free in the once. UK. Yeah, yeah, shipping's nice. free in the UK as well. So it's like, you Okay. Know. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch how people buy differently. Like if you tried to sell them individually, probably wouldn't get more than 50p. <laughs> for for especially the Giants era, like now that it's moved on so much from there, because uh, okay. I think you've had like Swap Force Trap Team, <sighs> uh, Superchargers, Superchargers, and whatever the Imagine Imaginators. Imaginators. Holy shit! So the Gi- Giants was the second one or third one? Third, I think. Third, yeah. Because cool. I don't if know if I, Swap Force or Trap off, Team came yeah. be- came before Giants. I don't know, or mm. if they ran concurrently. Because Giants, then again. In Giants, you have two different types of Skylanders you can buy, right? Yeah, the regular ones and the the Giants. Yeah. And I was selling the the tree one, Tree Rex. I'm I'm, I'm a big fan of the puns in Skylanders as well, but uh, Tree Rex, (laughs) he he was selling for about eight or nine pounds alone out of a box. That's one of the Skylanders that I got. It was included in the game. Yeah. I had Tree Rex, I had uh, Cinder, I think it was called, and the third one was called uh, Airvac, I think. Because wasn't Spyro the second one, or was Spyro the first? Spyro was in the first. Yes, Spyro, it, the first game was called Skylanders. Spyro Skylanders Adventure. Uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, so yeah, it's all yeah. weird. I mean, I even work in a shop where we sell this stuff, and I've got no idea of the timeline of this shit. <laughs> Did you know that the Skylanders now have a, a, a TV series in Netflix? Yeah, and from what I've heard, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. I don't know. Maybe now that I got acquainted with the franchise, maybe I should watch it. But that's the impression that I get from most people when talking about Skyland. It's like, strangely not bad. Strangely not bad. <laughs> it's like most of my ex-girlfriends will tell you. <laughs> it's, it's all right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun game, yeah. It's yeah, for 20 minutes, he's, he's not bad. <laughs> anyway, I'll leave that joke there. Um, <laughs> Just leave it to linger like I did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. that's, uh, that's been my week. Cool. Skylanders and so cutesy cartoon weirdness is what you're saying. Pretty much, yes. Other Have you than tried that... stacking your Skylanders? What, sorry? Have you tried stacking your Skylanders? No, I haven't. Do that. Make a little totem try. pole. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try a totem. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I can say that I've been playing already four hours of uh, Steins Gate and I have nothing to share on that end yet. Okay. Because it's been like a like a four hour long science class that I would bore you with. I will hmm. I will give more details whenever I get something that I can actually uh, speak about because it's you, really interesting. But I really have nothing to say right now. 
Can you already say that you'd you'd recommend it to me? Yes, I would. Yeah. And we just got news today that there's going to be the um, Zero Escape series. Yeah, the Nonary Games, it's called. Yeah, it's so, the yeah. bundle of 999 and Virtuous Reward. Reward. And that's coming out in spring next year. Yeah, so first first few months of, of the new year. And that's, mm-hmm. therefore, how I'm going to play that series. <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. Good effort. <laughs> I think Blanca will also play it like that because she was... Talk because isn't Virtue's Last Reward on PlayStation already or something? It's a on Vita the PlayStation Vita. Mm-hmm. That's Vita. Okay, so she was because she's got a Vita. She was thinking about getting it, mm. but I, on Bob's recommendation, said that she should play the first one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, she'll probably pick that up. Uh, yep. Also, Owlboy came out as well. Yeah. Yeah, but I haven't played it yet. Stu is playing I don't, it right now, apparently. Yeah, well, I don't have the PC for it, unfortunately, so I'll mm. have to wait till that gets an inevitable PS4 release, or I buy a computer, mm-hmm. <laughs> whichever <laughs> happens first. Um, Bob and I played some Splinter Cell Blacklist uh, True. To, to see if that was worth worth playing on the on the twenty four hour gaming marathon. What did you think, Bob? I liked it. I mean, it's actually a lot funnier if you understand what the controls do. <laughs> good, good point. Yes, yes. Because because yeah. after our session, I kept streaming on my own. And I, mm. I started the campaign and, and I was uh, guided a little bit more into the controls and everything. And that made it, that made it so much easier for the future. Okay. Well, I think I would be ready. It wasn't Blacklist the one we played, Rob? We played... Um, or Conviction, Ka- didn't we play? We played Chaos Theory. Ah. We played like the very first one that had a co-op campaign. And the one where you dropped me it. off of I, the- you You fell off. <laughs> I need to I need to find that video. Well, I'm going to take note. We need to find yeah. that video. Um, but yeah, the game. I don't know how long that co-op campaign is, Bob. So I don't know either. But we've got like two hours. We could put we could put aside to that if we wanted to. Yeah, probably. So I guess, I guess this is a moment where we should reiterate that in not many days after this podcast goes live. Uh, we yep. will be doing a 24-hour gaming marathon in support of Macmillan Cancer Research and their Game Changers initiative. Um, and yeah, we're we're starting to put the games together now. Yeah, the the list we're is nearly fixed. the list is nearly done. Um, four-player, multiplayer, local will will feature heavily because we've got four of us in the same room for more or less the whole 24 hours. And uh, we should probably read some 24-hour survival tips. Uh, I used to be able to do, <laughs> and just saying that is making Tom yawn, so that's a good start. Yeah, I um, literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am so boned. <laughs> we, used, we used to be able to do 24 hours, like nothing. Like I remember playing Burnout 3 um, with, with Without with blinking guys. for 24 hours. That's a different... That's a different challenge. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like a that's a stretch goal. <laughs> um, but yeah, the list is nearly done. I just need some some uh, approval from from our group, and then uh, maybe we should tease one out today. Actually, we've already teased two. Last week, we already teased Jackbox. Mm-hmm. We will that be playing Jackbox. Yep. And today, we kind of teased that that Splinter Cell may be. Okay. Um, and uh, what else? Should we choose another one? Yeah, I think. Well, 
Some of them are easy. Some of them you could guess by following Gaming at Rob's from the last few years. Um, I guess I'll throw one of them out. Mount Your Friends is going to feature. Yay! Because <laughs> we're on a different PC to last time, I need to go and recreate all of our stupid faces. So uh, that's one of my tasks over the next few days. Oh, yes, uh, do that. I'm sure yes. my Facebook will provide plenty of amusement. I'm sure it will. <laughs> Actually, I think you were one of the most difficult, and Earl. Because Earl is generally quite photogenic. He doesn't yep. have a lot of stupidity going on in his profile photos. Oh, I've got an ideal one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and I, I think I'll make a, I think I have a VR version of him as well that we can use. Oh, like fantastic. VR face. If, we should if all we made... should all post VR face except Bob. Uh, <laughs> just another opportunity to dig damn you <laughs> body blows all around tonight <laughs> alright um, yeah. we'll have more news on that as we go ahead if you uh, if you head over to our twitter or our facebook then you can follow along and we have a tiny url uh, to, to go and donate or at least follow news and, and information which we'll keep up to date. That is tinyurl.com forward slash GPT24 hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, we should probably dump another update on there just before we go up. We need to we need to confirm the start time, um, which is based on yeah. when we can be bothered to... Well, we need to figure out our routine. Tom's, Tom's flying out to Madrid a few days ahead of time, so I'll have, I'll have some last-minute scrambling to do. Um, yeah, I, I realize now that I may have screwed up the planning because okay. I'm actually flying out like a day and a half before the yep. stream, mm-hmm. but I'm flying home about five hours after the stream <laughs> ends. <laughs> and in hindsight, that is fucking stupid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is really idiotic of me to be like, oh yeah, we'll do a 24-hour gaming stream in support of, you know, cancer, all well mm-hmm. and good. Then I'm going to try and grab three hours sleep and then try and deal with an airport. That is the worst. <laughs> That's unhealthy, yeah. Yeah. And then the week after, literally not four days later, I'll be in mm. Paris for Indicade. Jeez. All right. I am boned. <laughs> You'll be fine. You, I think you can sleep when you're dead. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we'll just hib- we'll hibernate for the first few days. Yes. All right. Then- Good. All right. And in all that excitement, we could probably notice that you didn't play any games this week, Rob. You massive traitor. I, I played Blacklist with Bob for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he I was played, busy with other stuff. I will. I played him. some. I played Hitman. We we played some of the Himapan horror pack, uh, which went. Which is easy for you to say. <laughs> which <laughs> was to mixed results. Uh, that stream is up on our YouTube channel. <laughs> you give me cleaver. <laughs> cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, let's finish there. Let's go. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Yeah.